0: I'm Carol Speakerman, and this is Speakerman Speaks Retail, presented by Market Scale. Hi, this is Carol, and welcome to Speakerman Speaks Retail, where we navigate retail from now to next through my latest retail trajectories. Now, in the last episode, we touched on diversification and how it's going to be the growth engine for retail going forward. I mean, it's not going to be building thousands of stores. We certainly know that. Uh, That was true before the pandemic, and it's never been truer now. But as part of this diversification, retailers are making lots of new decisions. But as they spread their tentacles in all these new directions, one big question looms large, and that is buy, build, or bridge. Determining when to build solutions internally or when outside partnerships or even outright acquisition make more sense on all kinds of uh, new fronts and in all kinds of new scenarios. So, no two retailers are approaching buy, build, or bridge the same way. But either way, it is the definitive question and it's the unifier for their decision making. And that's why it's our trajectory for today's episode. Traditionally, buying gives companies access to assets or capabilities that are too expensive or difficult or time consuming to build. But when it comes to building, uh, even though building isn't always the easiest strategy and it's more of a long term strategy, it can offer retailers more control and even be more profitable once the things that retailers build, whether they're brands or solutions or products, Uh, once they scale and once they work all the bugs out. Bridging through partnerships, though, allows retailers and brand marketers to ramp up concepts and open up new channels quickly, but to do it by leveraging others' already established platforms. So this is really Amazon's entire model. You know, that's how Amazon has become a newfound frenemy to other retailers and why it has so many, you know, brand marketers just scrambling to get on the Amazon platform. Because retailers and brands are using Amazon as a bridge to e-commerce capabilities, and as a bridge to millions of online shoppers. So buy, Builder bridge was on every retailer's mind before the pandemic. And it's going to continue to be for those who make it out on the other side. In fact, some of the buy, build, and bridge decisions that retailers made before the pandemic are helping them make it through uh, and making make it through to the other side. You look at uh, Walmart, for example, and their decision to buy some digital and tech platforms before the pandemic. Now, some of these acquisitions laid the foundation for the clicks-to-bricks capabilities that are carrying them through right now that are making Walmart an ongoing destination, even for shoppers that didn't consider Walmart before. And it's also providing greater safety for Walmart's customers. You know, before what was considered convenience is now a matter of safety. And that has been a feather in Walmart's cap as well. But it was the decision to buy these capabilities that made all of it happen faster, and also allowed Walmart to get some of the kinks out of the system before something like this Corona crisis hit target, uh, you know, a company that's been known for partnerships, you know, with designers and others, uh, throughout its history actually had made quite a few build decisions that are helping it weather the storm right now, decisions to rebuild its private brand portfolio and focus on the value that it offers to consumers, um, in, and in categories that aren't just fashion anymore. They started focusing on essentials and grocery even. And that is really helping Target right now as, it, as shoppers come to Target stores more frequently for grocery items. And in the process, Target increases the chances that those higher margin items that they've always been known for in home and apparel might make their way into the cart as well. So Target uh, made some really good decisions Again, kind of happy accidents uh, that, have t- that have ended up aligning with this new shopper behavior that's taken, taken hold during the crisis. Tractor Supply is an interesting story, though, because they just recently ramped up their same-day delivery capabilities from covering just 20% of their stores to all 1,800-plus locations, and they did it within three weeks. Now, Tractor Supply was able to hit that blistering pace by hooking up with a company called Roadie. So this was a bridge building move that accelerated their capabilities that are relevant for the pandemic, and also set tractor supply apart from so many of their competitors that still just don't have those capabilities, particularly a lot of those independent operators. But this is just a small sampling of the buy, build, and bridge action that's happening right now in retail. So let's take a look at this trajectory, let's track it, and talk about where it's going next and what it means for you. So I'd frame the changes that are happening, the next evolution or buy, build, or bridge in three ways. First of all, the most successful retailers aren't going to just pick one strategy. They're gonna be buying, building, and bridging simultaneously. And from there, they're going to start to flex between those options, basically reserving the right to change their minds once they buy build or bridge. So that can mean jumping off from a partnership and deciding to take something in house. Or conversely, that can mean taking something that's in house and offloading it and delegating it to somebody else. From there, though, some of these solutions that they create are going, they're going to look to monetize them and even make them available to their competitors. So we're already seeing this next stage monetization and migration starting to happen. You look at Kroger, for example. Now, as part of their Restock Kroger program, they are investing in businesses outside of traditional grocery, going back to those tentacles extending um, and the core being no more. Now, these alternative revenue streams grew a very respectable 20% in 2018, but they're expected to bring in as much as $150 million to Kroger this year. On the bridge front though, Kroger is partnering with Microsoft on connected experience stores that are gonna digitize all kinds of different things within the store or help them realize what I call the digital rethinking of physical retail. So this is gonna be everything from digital pricing displays to digital promotions and digital nutritional information. Um, really just transforming the store experience. But once it takes off, if it it all works out, Kroger and Microsoft are going to hope to make it available to others as a retail-as-service product, or what I like to call a private solution. You know, we've talked about private brands for years, but now as retailers seek to monetize their solutions, they're going to have private solutions that they can make available to others, even their competitors. But Kroger has a history of bridging and and partnerships. You know, they've never been really shy about that. They had a years-long partnership with dunhunby on the data and analytics side, for example. But now they've parlayed that relationship with Dun- Dunhunby into an in-house agency, an in-house platform that they're calling 8451. So there's that migration from bridge to build that is going to allow... Kroger to take these assets in-house to own them and to monetize them by making this platform available to their CPG customers and in some cases to other retailers. So let's track some of the new motives that are driving these decisions to buy, build, or bridge. You know, how that why is changing on all fronts. Then we'll talk about what it means to your strategy. So why would you buy? Well, back in the day, one of the ways reasons that you would buy is just to drive efficiencies and to get into new markets. You know, in the pre-digital age, back in the late 90s and early 2000s in particular, there was a lot of mergers and acquisition activity going on. And usually it was a retailer buying another retailer that had a brand or a banner that was very popular in a particular region and allowed the acquiring retailer to branch out and grab those customers. It was all about brick and mortar scale and efficiency. And as those mergers and acquisitions heated up, a whole bunch of regional retail banners that did enjoy fierce loyalty just disappeared. And along with that, a lot of headcount disappeared as those companies just got absorbed into the main retailer, the buying entity. Uh, a lot of consumers actually weren't that happy about this because those, com- those stores did have loyalty. And some even say that that led to the later demise of the acquiring companies, that they underestimated how popular those brands were. But either way, it was about getting rid of headcount and, and really shrinking the organizational structure. But here's what's new it's kind of been turned on its head because acquisitions are becoming a powerful tactic for winning the retail talent wars. And that's very important these days as retailers need so many people, so many talented people, uh, tech people in particular, to run their platforms. So this aqua hiring movement is accelerating buying companies for the brain grab. You look at Walmart when they bought jet.com in 2016 you know, immediately they put they uh, uh, brought Jet CEO Mark Laurie in to their executive team. And then some subsequent brand acquisitions that Walmart made, they uh, brought those folks into their organization as well. So instead of just saying, hey, you know, off with their heads, they actually thought of these folks as bringing talent to the organization. And no doubt those folks have helped Walmart ramp up uh, all kinds of capabilities, even as some of them leave the company, and even as Walmart starts uh, pumping on the brakes on some of these buys and backing up from that strategy and moving toward building and bridging. So there's that migration happening there. So let's talk about what's new on the build front. Now, it can seem that retailers aren't doing a lot of building because they've been so much more open to partnership and and outsourcing, which is a, you know, relatively new and and different shift for retailers. But now, particularly in the technology arena, and with this, you know, access that retailers have to all these open source tools, retailers have the confidence now to build more of these technology, uh, technologies in house. And as sensitive as the data world has become, and privacy concerns, not to mention licensing fees and other considerations. There's been a real incentive for buy, for retailers to take this buy approach, uh, take this build approach, and take a lot of those capabilities in house. But the uptick in bridge building marks a really big shift because retailers, for many years, seemed to think they could do everything themselves. But now, they they know they can't. And they no longer want to. They've never been more open to partnerships, and they've also never been less squeamish about partnering with companies that do business with their competitors. This is particularly true of technology providers, and um, you know even companies like Instacart. Look at all of the competing retailers that they do business with. So that's a big change on the bridge front. So this brings us to our trajectory tracker takeaways. What does all of the this buying, building and bridging and all of these changes and evolutions of this trajectory mean to you? Well, for retailers, you have to know you guys don't have to go it alone anymore. You've got all kinds of options, but not many excuses because there are so many companies out there right now that can lend a hand and help you build bridges. Build bridges between gathering data and actually doing something with it. Bridges between clicks and bricks. You know, I'm still so surprised by how many retailers now say, oh, well, you know, we're just hoping people will still come in our stores and we just can't build out this these capabilities for delivery, etc. Well, that's just not the case. There are plenty of companies that can help you build those bridges to those capabilities really quickly. Also, too, for retailers, buy, build, or bridge is a great strategic conversation starter. You know, I've facilitated some of these offsites to where the focus is what do we want to buy? What do we want to build? What do we want to bridge? And what I've found is that it, it provides a lot of relief because the questions then become not should we do this or can we do this, it's how should we do this? It goes from an if to a which. And there's so many partners out there who can help you get so many things done that you just couldn't do yourself. Now for brand marketers and for retail solution providers of all stripes, before you even consider approaching a retailer with a pitch, even before you look at store counts or sales volume or who does what, you know, all that traditional research, it really pays to look at the buy, build and bridge strategies and actions that your prospects have taken to ask what are they buying, what have they built, what are they bridging, and with who? Don't always assume that everything that they're doing is homegrown and owned, but on the other hand, if everything is, if if your prospect is doing everything in-house still, it probably means that they're kind of shut off, and they may not be a very good option for you, they may not be very open, you may not get very far with them. So that alone is very valuable information. And when you parse out these buy, build and bridge decisions for your prospects in any B2B situation, really, you learn so much about where they see the gaps and opportunities and how open they are or not open they are to partnerships. And it's also going to give you great talking points that I can guarantee that your competitors are not leveraging. If you go in there and talk about those buy, build and bridge strategies, they're really going to think you did your homework. I even go so far as to encourage my clients to take out three colored markers and go through press releases, investor transcripts, officer interviews, and just boom, 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 highlight those buys, those builds, and those bridges. And then you have the the ability to reference those and to link them to your products and solutions and services, you know, because the precedent's already been set. Or you can also position yourself as being an alternative to some of those decisions. But it's a great starting point either way. Now, for you, solution and service providers in particular, the good news is that because of all of this migration now between buying, building, and bridging, you have to know that just because a retailer or a brand marketer, because you guys work with both, Just because they're going DIY right now on the services and solutions that you provide doesn't mean they're going to continue to. They may want to offload that right now. So stay in there and keep those conversations going and don't assume that everything is written in stone. But it also means, unfortunately, that the opposite is true, that just because they're locked into your platform right now, it doesn't mean that they're not going to shop it around or even try to build it in house in the future. So you got to stay on your game. And yeah, you know, think about how to, to build some dependent uh, dependencies and create incentives for them to stay with you and that are going to make it harder for them to switch or shop around. But definitely proactively, you've got to build those firewalls that gives that give retailers and brands and their direct competitors because remember, all bets are off now and this expectation of exclusivity is no longer hanging in the air. um, If you have those firewalls in place, you can give them the confidence to do business with you. Because again, the great news is they've never been more open to outside partnerships. And they've never been less, you know, worried about getting help from companies that work with their competitors. If you're good at what you do, and you've got their back, you're good to go. And for those of you who might be positioning for acquisitions or even have that as a possibility in your business model, bridge building is a great first step to get your future acquirer, whether that's a retailer or another entity, get them familiar with what you do. So many of these acquisitions that have happened on the retail front started out as partnerships. Uh, Costco, as a matter of fact, just bought a third-party logistics company called um, Innovel, for $1 billion cash. But they had partnered with this company for years and decided, you know what, we love what you do, and we want to have it as part of our asset base. The interesting thing is, though, going back to all of these tangled webs, Innovel is actually, uh, was actually owned by the ho- holding company that operates Sears and Kmart. And wouldn't you know that all of NFL's current customers, retailers that are not Costco, are still going to be part of the portfolio. That's part of the value that it brings to Costco. So very interesting, again, on the migration and monetization front. So wrapping things up, striking the right balance of acquired assets, homegrown solutions, and partnerships is going to be a constant question in retail, regardless of how long this pandemic drags on, it's it's happening now, it's going to continue to happen on the other side. And the need to rev up all three, uh, three options, all three of these uh, potentials is only going to intensify as retailers seek these, this next generation tech talent, as they seek greater security, and as they want to quickly ramp up capabilities, particularly um, you know, on the other side of the pandemic, they're going to want to ramp up their capabilities really quickly and also fix a lot of those problems that were unmasked, and that they didn't see until the corona crisis put that pressure on their um, operating models. But it's going to be about buying, building and bridging all at the same time. So thanks for listening in today. And I hope you'll continue to listen to Speakerman Speaks Retail because I've got some exciting trajectories and interviews planned for you up ahead. And in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. I sent out that invitation in the last episode. I got some great feedback from you guys. So don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, any ideas, or even just stories to share about how you're managing through right now. I'd love to hear from you. You can ping me directly at carol at speakermanretail.com or you can visit my site at speakermanretail.com to check out more insights, uh, to su- subscribe to my updates and get the latest on events and other happenings.